Are you ready to get this party started? Let's party. Okay, I'm ready for it. Okay. You want to introduce? Yes, and I'll know how to do it this time. Yeah, you will. Hi, Misfits. This is Kevin. And this is Kate. Welcome to Horrorwood. Woo! Mm, mm. Chitter, chitter. I was ready for the rest of the cheer, and then I didn't get it. H O R R O R W O O D. Yeah, it's that extra R in there. <laughs> the really R really you. throws it. Hurrah, wood. Hurrah, wood. Oh, this sounds like a 1920s gangster. Oh, which is what we're gonna talk about today, Kate. How are I'm, you? I forgot. I was about to dive right in. Oh, I was ready for <laughs> no, it. It's okay. I'm great. You went to Vegas. Fucking fantastic. Oh my god. It was amazing. And you saw Adele. Oh, my God. She was phenomenal. She's yeah. so freaking funny. That British humor. I wish I was British just so that, like, I could say things in that accent and, like, be really funny. But oh, well. Having lived there for quite some time, I can tell you that not all British people are funny. Well, I believe that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Sorry, England. Love you so much. I mean... I I actually love England, period. Oh, I love it too. Yeah. Gorgeous. I studied abroad there and it was like the best. Um, but yeah, we went to Vegas for a little belated birthday thingamajig. Birthday present. And it was super fun. We mm-hmm. also went to Zach Bagan's the museum. museum. Oh my God. I haven't listened to the one, the thing you did with Matt yet. Yeah. So we did an episode on Patreon, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it here. Yes, if you're okay do it. With I'm, please. Okay. I want to hear all about it. It was... <laughs> First off, like, obviously I wanted to go and there are some really interesting displays there. So regardless of what anyone might think of Zach Bagans himself, some of that stuff is like really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. There's a serial killer room. First off, Kevin, you would fucking love this museum. serial killer room? It's not as exciting as you might think. It's actually pretty fucking terrifying. Um, Ted Bundy's murder kit. Oh my God. John Wayne Gacy's artwork. Whoa. Charles Manson's cremated remains. Ooh, what? Yeah, it's all on display there. And it's just the thing of my complaint about the museum is that yeah. some of those objects there don't need the big show, the big presentation. Because it's like they, smaller stuff that maybe isn't as exciting. Well, it's it's that that stuff speaks for itself, for itself. Okay. but in every single room that you go into, and there are many, you have to watch like a five to ten minute video of Zach Bagans mm-hmm. talking about Zach Bagans <laughs> and the objects, <laughs> and it got to be an issue. It's a three hour tour. Whoa, that's a long time. It's really fucking long. Did you have to book like a certain time to go? We did, okay. and then we got there a little early because we wanted to do the... Uh, the neon to the neon sign tour. Have you done that before? No, Kate, I did that the one time I went, and I had the 
best time. Seriously. So we went and they weren't open yet. No. And we're like, well, now we're down here. It's a little early, but maybe we can like get into the tour early. And I will say they did let us in early, which was great. That's really great. Um, But yeah, one thing that I forgot to mention on the Patreon episode when we talked about it Mm -hmm. was there's like a lot of fucking clowns. Ew. And Matt was not into the clowns. Oh, is Matt... Does, is he a little like... He doesn't have like a phobia. Okay. But these clowns were freaky. Scary. Mm. And they do show a video of this one guy. So there's a hallway you have to walk through that's kind of narrow. And part of what makes it narrow is that they have these life-size clowns lined up along the side. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And this one guy on a video, like a security camera that they had him on, they show him staring into the eyes of this one clown. What? And then he just falls over. Oh my God. And possessed. Get him out of there. I will say they probably have a video like that in every exhibit in that freaking place. Of people place. like reacting to exhibits? Yes. Oh my God. Like people fainting, all this shit. But is there like a warning going into it? Oh yeah. There's, you have to like sign waivers oh and recite an oath God. and like all this crap. I mean, he, he knows how to build you up is the thing. <laughs> I just imagine all of a sudden the lights flicker and the door behind you opens and a clown pops in and you're like, oh my God, we're recording. We are busy here. And, and she, you're like, I'm sorry. He followed me back. From- I would be completely unfazed. Um, <laughs> but there was a woman in our group who was deathly terrified of clowns and had not expected some big ass clown exhibit, nor did we. Sure. I mean, because it's a, it's a lot and yeah. you see a lot of weird shit. Was she and, freaking out? Oh, she was like hyperventilating. Oh my God. And yeah, she was like, no one said there was going to be clowns. Oh my God. I, like she couldn't okay. catch her breath. I'm sorry, but like you expect the worst lady. What are you expecting? I mean, it is a haunted museum. It's a haunted museum. In Vegas. In Vegas. Of all places. By Zach Baggins. who's yeah. like one of the most showy people oh on Oh my God. <laughs> It was, it, I mean, I I was glad that we did it. Yeah. There was an upgrade option, which I'm glad we didn't what do. What was the upgrade? Okay, it's, so you get the RIP all access oh tour. Oh my God, but RIP. Here's the bullshit part about that oh. is that they're the same tour. Oh. And so when it gets to a part that's just for RIP, they're like, okay, the RIP group, you go into this room now. And you're in there, they're in there for like whatever, a minute or two, while everyone else just stands and waits for them. It was ridiculous. How much was the upgrade? Was it? It was like thirty-five dollars extra. It was so dumb. There was literally an exhibit where the possessed object or whatever were all in the room looking at it, and then they're like, "Okay, now if you are RIP, take a closer look. You can walk behind the counter and look at it." I'm like, "Y'all paid thirty-five dollars to walk five more feet." Like, I can see it perfectly fine from here. It's really, it's a lot of bullshit and, like, showy stuff, but... um, Now, if you could, like, hold the original Annabelle or something, that I would pay Now, that's for. something, but you don't get to do Dan, that. Dan, is Annabelle there? Annabelle's not there, but they do have Peggy the doll. Peggy. Which... Oh, be, we have to be careful about talking about dolls, because I've listened oh. to other paranormal podcasts... And, like, they've said that some of the spirits in those dolls, if you even talk about them, they'll come for you. Well, great. Then I'm fucking cursed. Because well, Kate, I- we both had scratches. We did have the demon scratches. And yeah. I think I told you because I wanted to send you a picture. Right. Matt, deleted Matt deleted it off it his he phone. Yeah. He was like, I, cu- I couldn't look at that picture anymore. <laughs> Matt did not go into the room with Peggy the doll. Matt. 
he was like, he I don't. He might be the smart one. He said, of, the, of us. Uh, he was like, I don't fuck with dolls. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to stay out here. A lot of it, I mean, they really try to like play on your power of suggestion and like. I think that's a lot of paranormal absolutely, stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's a really long tour. It's hot in there. There's no water. So all of the videos that they have of people like passing out and shit. I'm like, probably because they're parched. It's exactly. Vegas. You need water. Exactly. There. So <laughs> it was kind of bullshit. And then, of course, it ends in a gift shop, which I'm not against. Did you get anything? I didn't because the one thing that I wanted, I was like, I want if I want if they words, if they have a book of all of the exhibits that like tells a little bit about them in a book form, I will buy. Oh, that, that would be great. They, they don't, don't have that. that. No. Jinx. Sorry. <laughs> so, I'll buy you a Coke later. Um, yes. So I so that was dumb, but they do have other books by Zach, which, no. I, I don't want those. And all the shirts they had were like, Zach Bagans, the Haunted Museum. I was like, no. I didn't like any of the stuff in there. Or you could buy water with a Haunted Museum label. And I was like, no. You know, I would buy, like, if Zach Bagans had, like, an OnlyFans, I would actually probably subscribe. Sorry. I have no words to follow. I also want, I also just imagined myself getting a pair of like underwear that says like spooky bitch on the back or something. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? That would be. I need to work for this gift shop. Let's, let's get out there. Let's merchandise. Let's give the people what they want. Exactly. That's the thing. But Zach just thinks that all the people want is Zach. So he, everything has his name on it. We want the ghosts too. We want the ghosts. The Um, ghosts and the demons and the dolls and the clowns. Yeah. But it's not in there. Not in that gift shop. Have you seen the movie Hell House LLC? Have I told you about that before? No. So it's like a mockumentary found footage horror movie. Oh, okay. Um, about a group of people from New York who go to upstate New York where this old hotel is called the Abaddon. And they go in there to like make a haunted house. Ooh. And uh, it starts out with like, police and stuff outside of the place when the haunted on the night the haunted house opens because something really bad happens and people die and it's like on the news and it all starts with like news footage yeah and then they find the footage of the people putting the house together and experiencing really horrible stuff but it has a lot of clowns in it which reminds me okay anyway recommendation it's really good hell house LLC. llc and it was like one of those found footage movies that's like you know kind of low budget yeah but it is very effective. Ooh. Um, I watched the director's cut recently, and it was. Yeah. I might check that out. Do it, Kate. I think you might like it, okay. or you'll hate it, which is totally <laughs> fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> before we dive into your yes. story here, uh, I did want to just briefly mention the Amy Harwick Gareth Purse yeah. House trial. If you saw the story that we posted on Instagram. Gareth Purse House was found guilty of first degree murder, which his defense team was clearly going for like a manslaughter charge. Right. But it was, I mean, it was pretty clear that it was first degree. Of course, they tried to blame her and say that she climbed over the balcony to try to climb down. No, she didn't. He threw her off and you see him on the ring footage. Like, it's just... What, what was interesting is that his defense did not present a case. That's fascinating. Yeah. Because like I, so are you familiar with the Lori Vallow Mommy yes. Doomsday case? Yes. That they essentially did the same thing in her trial. Like they, they didn't have anything. They yeah. They're just anything. like, eh, uh. 
I don't know. They called zero <laughs> witnesses. And, you know, of course, the prosecution has tons of witnesses. They have a lot of um, mm. evidence because there's a lot of evidence. Yeah, and, of course there is. And I think his team was just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but he did get first degree, which is a relief. I feel like at some point you have to look at everything out there on the defense side and be like, is this worth it? Like, is there enough here to even do something or can what we do work against what we want it to do? I often wonder about defense attorneys and, you know, that are appointed to these cases right. because it's it would suck to have oh to be my appointed. God, like, I mean, you have you... a job to do, but like right. ethically, like, where do you how do you figure that out or where do you stand or is not presenting anything like the ethical thing? to Yeah, do? that's the thing. It's like, how do you go to sleep at night? when your day-to-day is defending someone who clearly committed a horrific murder and your job is to try to keep them out on the streets. Like that's such a weird, I don't know. I think about that a lot actually. So maybe that is the thing where they were just like, yeah, we're not going to touch this one. So uh, we don't have a case. (laughs) Yeah. That is gross. But thankfully, he will hopefully be behind bars for life. I hope His so. sentencing is December 6th, if I'm not mistaken. And because of the special circumstance of lying in wait, because he did wait several hours for her to get home, mm-hmm. that will typically mean that he has no chance for parole or Great. Um, any way of ever being out as a free man. Yeah, you ever always again. hear life in prison, but then you're like, okay, possibility of parole or not. Right. Parole. And life in prison usually never means life it never in prison. Means life, yeah. If you if you have the potential for parole. Right. Ugh. Yeah, Lori Vallow got sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of yeah, parole. Yeah, well good cuz she was fucking insane. Oh god. Yeah. I was just listening to my favorite murder. They covered it. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't realize that the trial had happened. Yeah. Um so yeah. Bye. Bye, but hello to this case. Oh my god. Oh my god. So, Kate. So, Kevin. Yay. <laughs> Picture it. <laughs> the early 1900s. I'm there. Booze, speakeasies, yes. cigarettes, fancy dance clubs, Ooh. and silent movies. I love all of that. Hollywood was on the up and up. Yeah, it was. The movie industry began to boom. Pop it off. Like a boom mic, but not because they <laughs> didn't have sound. <laughs> Is that one of the jokes that you made? No, wrote? I just came up with that on the I fly. I love it. I love I'm it. I'm on fire already. <laughs> Sorry, no. That sounded awful. And eventually no, gave great. birth to the first sex symbol in movie history, Rudolph Valentino. I actually don't know a ton about him, so I'm excited to, it's to learn It's a fascinating about story. So yeah, I'm going to talk a lot about his life because okay. it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And there are a few true crime things in there, as I was telling you earlier, but then we're going to dive into... Um, his ghost haunts his ghost busiest ghost you've ever seen oh shit I have all heard that he's like up over the place all everywhere. over yes he's just haunt I mean he could pass right through the house right now you know what I just realized it's our first episode of October oh my god Kate it is <gasps> October spooky season oh, even though I've been celebrating spooky season for the past six and a half weeks same same <laughs> There, it reminds me every time it's Halloween. I used to love that Halloween song. I've probably already said this like six times, and people are like, "Shut up, Kevin!" But no one ever will um, say that to you. <laughs> but it's like it, we sang this in like elementary school. It was like about a woman. 
there was an old woman all skin and bones. And then it would go, ooh, she, uh, one night she thought she'd take a walk. Ooh, Ooh. I'm not going to sing the whole thing because people should go listen to it. I've never heard of this song. But yeah, one night she thought she'd take a walk. Ooh, she walked down by the old graveyard. She saw the bones a laying around. A laying around. Um, (laughs) She went to the closet to get a broom. She opened the door and boo. Oh. That's the song. I love it. I always, I sing it to myself in the shower. Put it on my playlist. Oh, I'll send it to you. Great. So back to Rudolph. Rodolfo Alfonso Raffaele. Okay, I have to start it over. I, okay. uh, there's seven names here. I already love And they're it. all Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if like one was Italian and one was German? And- well, the thing is like his mom, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. Rodolfo Alfonso Raffaello Pierre Filibert Guglielmi di Valentina de Antoguelo, Antoguelo, Guala? Was a famous Italian actor. I just need to give you Wait, snaps. No, I think I pronounced all of them wrong. It sounded gorgeous <laughs> to me. Good job. Especially the last one. De Antonguala. De Antonguala. Was great. a famous Italian actor who was mainly known by his stage name, Rudolph Valentino. Rudy V. Rudy V. He was Hollywood's first sex symbol and aptly named the Latin Lover. Oh. Other nicknames Rudolph took over his years in the movies included The Sheik, The Great Lover, Valentino, Rudy, or Rudy with an I. Oh, just to change it up a little. Just change it up. You know, Y's and I's. (laughs) Valentino was a silent film star known for famous movies like The Sheik, hence the nickname. Okay, I was wondering where that came from. Yeah. Blood and Sand, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and The Eagle. Oh. Valentino was born in Castellaneta, Puglia, Italy. I want to go there. I think that's how you say it. Italians, I'm very sorry. I love you. I've been to your country. It's beautiful. That's Excuse one my pronunciation. That I have not been yet. That okay, I you have to go to Italy. It's like one of those things that I really, really hope I get yeah. to before Do I it. peace out of this earth. Because I had the so Rome. I went to Rome, Florence, and P- Pisa, and Rome was amazing. Had mm-hmm. the best time. I have to say, I think I loved Florence the most. Okay. I've always wanted to go to Florence, and do you want to know why? Why? Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to go to Florence. Because in the Sandra Bullock-led movie, While You Were Sleeping, yeah. that's her dream, is she always wanted to go to Florence. Aww. And I was like, that does sound that great, That does Sandy sound B. fun. <laughs> it was amazing. I had the best time. The people were the nicest. It was Christmas. And Ooh. on Christmas Day, I made reservations at restaurants. Uh-huh. Um, and the family, it, they were like family-owned restaurants. Yeah. The families like saw me alone and were just very welcoming and they all came over throughout my entire meal to ask me how things were oh my god I love they that. brought me little plates of food they brought me you know limoncello and yes. they were just i would they were just like no 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 come in it was so beautiful oh, i, I want to go there time Ooh, it just it's a good atmosphere okay and it's gorgeous italian on <laughs> he was born on may 6th 1895 to an italian father Oh, he just took a deep breath, everyone. (laughs) Giovanni Antonio Giuseppe Fidele Guglielmi di Valentina di Anconguela. Gorgeous. 
it's all wrong. A captain <laughs> of cavalry in the Italian army and later a veterinarian oh. who passed away from malaria when Rudy was 11. Oh, that's sad. His mother was Marie Berta Gabrielle Barbin, who was a friend who was French and Italian. Oh, okay. I would have loved it if her name had just been Berta. Berta. <laughs> it's spelled B E R T H E. And I feel like in like a French, it would be like, it's, that would be like Bertha for oh, us. Oh, yeah. But yeah. like Bertha. Yeah. Probably. No, I think you said it properly. Excellent. Uh, she was a lady in waiting to a local Marquess. Okay. And that means that she was essentially a personal assistant at a court to a royal or high ranking noblewoman. Oh. That's fancy. He had an older brother named Alberto who lived until 1981. Oh, wow. I know a younger sister, Maria, and an older sister, Beatrice, who actually died when she was an infant, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Rudy was a cute kid. Well, he must have been if he right. grew up to, <laughs> to be, be a, a sex, sex symbol. symbol. It's just weird to be like, he was cute, <laughs> and then... And then he was and sexy. And then he was sexy. <laughs> I oh have a dream that everybody is a sexy baby. Oh my God. Taylor Swift, This that song is about Rudy Valentino. Okay, I thought you were about to tell me that you got tickets to the live concert. No. I was like, how did you do that? I, yeah. I'm actually, I lo- so I like Taylor Swift a lot. Yeah. But so her con- concert release in theaters... Like all the movies that were originally slated to come out that day had like to change the their Exorcist? dates. The Exorcist Believer, which is fine, but it would have been cool sure. to come out on Friday the 13th. Exactly. But I guess Taylor Swift's like lucky number is 13. Yeah. I don't know a lot about the, about Tay Tay, but my nieces love her. Yeah. And so I got them. I mean, I wish I could get them tickets to the live show, but <laughs> that's not happening. So I did get them tickets to the, see the, the movie. movie. Yeah. Right. But then also my sister got them that too for the very next day because oh, we didn't communicate. It was oh, their birthdays. No. So they're seeing it twice? They're seeing it two nights in oh, a row. Oh, I'm sure row. they'll love that. I'm sure they will. I'm but sure like... they'll love that. I used to love when I was a kid to go see movies I liked over and over again. Oh, yeah. It's like a comfort thing. Yeah. Like I would, I, Spice World, I think I saw seven times in theaters. That tracks. Uh, Titanic, I saw five times oh, in theaters. My. I was into it. Okay. Rudy was a cute kid. And his mother, Marie, was over the moon for him. Mm. She was said to have coddled and spoiled the absolute shit out of him. His father really didn't approve of him or that doting and spoiling. Oh, okay. Um, As Rudy got older, he didn't do very well in school. He would eventually enroll in agricultural school in Genoa. And soon after finishing his certificate, he ventured to Paris for a year in 1912 just to like be in Paris, be in Paris, check it out, get a job. Don't need an excuse. Just be in Paris. Right. Well, and also his mom was half French. Oh, that's right. I'm sure sure she, you know, gave him the tools to go there. Nothing really panned out in Paris. Mm. He couldn't find any work, so he came back to Italy, completely broke, and probably feeling a little bit defeated. Yeah. Having left and nothing worked out. From there, he's like, okay, screw it. Let's try again. I'm going to New York City. Oh, okay. Uh, Jumping overseas. Went over the seas. Rudy then made, I just said that, in 1913, he made the trip to New York. Uh, Rudolph's godfather, Frank Manillo, or Manillo, lived there and would help him secure a job in place to live oh okay great he went through ellis island on december 23rd 1913 at the young age of 18 wow 
Was 18 still young back in 1913? Probably not as young as we feel like it is. I mean, my grandparents, my grandma was 17 when she got married, oh. and that was in the 40s. Oh, so. dang. So, yeah, he probably wasn't considered that young. He was an time. old man. He was an then. old man <laughs> at Ellis Island at the age of 18. <laughs> Anywho, NYC didn't seem to turn out that different from the stint in Paris, unfortunately. Jeez. He found work doing odd jobs like bussing tables and gardening. However, he wasn't the best worker. Oh, okay. Is that why it didn't work out in Italy yeah, also? Yeah, I think he just wasn't, like, you know, doing good at the jobs he was getting. He hadn't found his thing. Right. He hadn't found his thing yet, okay. which that happens. For, so I'm not faulting him for that. Sure. Like, you know, I've done stuff and been real shit at it, too. So. Also, I mean, he was a teenager, so, like. Right. <laughs> so what teenager? You don't have your shit together, right. then. Not at all. He was actually fired for uh, from being a busboy at Murray's on 42nd Street. Is that like a famous restaurant? I think it is, yeah. I want want to say it might still be there. Let me check. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Don't think it is. Okay. But it seemed to be a really poppin' place. Got it. There is a place called Murray's Cheese in Grand Central Terminal. That looks good. Probably not the same (laughs) thing, Not the same place. But, you know, some a nice plate of cheese. Mmm. Give me some, um, what's my favorite cheese? I forget. How do you forget your favorite cheese? No, I just cheese? can't think of it. It's, I think it starts with a G. I remember. Gruyere. Gruyere, that's it. That's my favorite. Yep. Gruyere. I knew it was a G. Yum. Glad we solved I'm that glad one. glad we got that. <laughs> so in 1914, Rudy found work as a taxi dancer. Wait, what's a taxi dancer? I'll tell you. Okay. Someone who basically gets paid to dance with people in, like, clubs. Okay, I literally thought you were going to say someone who gets paid to dance on top of taxis. <laughs> That's what I thought when I read it. I was like, <laughs> he's dancing on taxis in the 19-teens. <laughs> no, just someone who gets paid to dance with people. Okay. So, restauranteur Joe Pani. Uh, hired him to dance the tango with Joan Sawyer. I don't know who that is. I forgot to look it up. My bad. <laughs> but it seemed important. All right. For $50 a week. Oh, and back At the then. Time, that's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. After this, he found a more permanent role at Maxim's Restaurant Cabaret. Oh. Uh, I read that he was making about 10 cents per dance at the time. 10 cents a dance. 10 cents a dance. Dance on the taxi. <laughs> Watcha. Watcha. Pabouré. Jeté. Je, je, je m'appelle. No, that means That's my, my name, name is. is. Je, oh, my God. Like Muzzy. Um, that purple gorilla. What the on, fuck? So when I was a kid, there was an infomercial for tapes that you could learn other languages. Oh. And it was like a purple gorilla named Muzzy who had this really like deep voice. And he would he would be like speaking French. And then a little girl would be like repeating after him. I see. And she would go, Je suis la jeune vie. Oh. And I always, that's the only thing I remembered in French. But come to find out, because I would always say that. I would be yeah. like, Je suis la jeune vie. When I was like 19, someone was like, do you know what that means? And they were like, it means I am a little girl. Oh. <laughs> Je suis la jeune vie. <laughs> You're proudly stating I it still to love it. anyone who will listen. tattooed on my arm. The only phrase I know is je m'appelle. And I only know that because there's an episode of Friends where Phoebe's trying to teach Joey how to speak French because he put it on his resume, but he doesn't actually know how to speak French. Mm. And so she's like, repeat after me, je m'appelle Joey. And he's like, 
and <laughs> like can't repeat it. But that's the only reason that I know oh that phrase. God, I I tried when I went to Paris. I tried to learn some phrases mm-hmm. to use, and I just it wasn't enough to get by. They hated me in Paris. They hated me too, and I hated them. <gasps> so you know you can go fuck yourself, Paris. But, and I do not feel bad about saying that. Oh out loud. shit! But for all of our French listeners. We actually love you. I love you. I mean, Kevin has his feelings. I mean, if but... you're Parisian, I think we need to connect and maybe like have a conversation because everyone I've ever met from Paris, and I'm sure this is a stereotype, is awful, has been awful to me. The so... only, my experience there, because I went there when I was studying abroad, Same. was I just did not know the language. The person yeah. I was with did. Oh, okay. And even he got pissed at me because like I was trying to order a tart, like a little fruit tart with chocolate. And I just had no idea how to even begin to do that. And he was like, just try, like the guy I was with. That's rude. And I, he was a rude guy. And I was like, oh, because like Spanish, I took Spanish in sure, high school. Sure, same, yeah. And so I feel like I could do that in Spanish, but I could not even be, I had no sense of anything. I didn't know in a single French word. And I, I could tell the person behind the counter was so annoyed and it was it was awful. I just felt like a piece of shit. I was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't like how they make you feel like that. And I understand like going to a country and, you know, being respectful. But at the same time, if you want to visit and be a tourist and tourism is something that your economy kind of relies on. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I mean, work with work with the people you meet. I don't know. I mean, I feel like... I couldn't even point at stuff I wanted because they kept asking me questions. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I don't want to come back here. So... It was so frustrating. But that just, like, think about all the people that come to this country and we're, we just shit on I'm them. I'm sure we're rude to them, too. Oh, America. It's America. We're very rude. God. We're just... Maybe that's it. The clash of the rude bastards. <laughs> that's what it was. That was. That's the title of my trip to Paris. <laughs> Oh, that'll be another episode. Feel free to cut all that out, Kate. But I, you know, I stand by it. I've not ever like. <laughs> I'll leave it all the fucking. <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. <laughs> oh, the French people have already turned this off. <laughs> True. Okay, so the job that he got at Maxim's Restaurant Cabaret gave Rudy access to NYC's rich and elite. Oh. Who were out on the town for a tantalizing night out. And he was ready to deliver. And he was ready to dance. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he ended up befriending Chilean heiress and society woman Blanca Dis. Okay, so I sh- I forgot to look up how to say this. Dis. I want to. It's D E and new word S A U L L E S. Is that Desole? Sure. I'm gonna look up the pronunciation. What does it take to be a society woman? You're just married to a rich guy. Oh, you can't just be rich on your own. Oh, but it's the early 1900s. It's the early 1900s. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, absolutely. But back then it was like, you want to be something? Find a man. That man is going to get you. Going to get you, get you, get you, get you one way. Maybe next time. I don't know. We're on different verses. Dissolve. Dissolve. Okay. We'll go with that. So yeah, he met Blanca de Salles. It's alleged, okay, so it's alleged that they had an affair, Oh, but sources were conflicted on that. I don't think they did. Mm. It seems like maybe they were just really good, close friends. And they like to dance? And they like to dance. Okay. Yeah. He went uh, as far as to attend her divorce trial. Oh. Um, she was leaving her husband, businessman John DeSalles, because she alleged that he had been unfaithful to her. 
Ooh, it's getting messy. It, oh, this gets real messy, Kate. I'm going to tell you the story. This is true crime in here. Uh, this is true crime I've been here. <laughs> Rudy took the stand to support her claims of John's infidelity. How would he know, though? I mean, they're close friends. But, I mean, how would he know that the husband was cheating? That's a good question. It's just hearsay. Yeah. I mean, essentially, he just wanted to go to support and be like, that bitch is cheating on her. Okay. Um, DeSalle's John was pissed about this. Well, sure. And he did not like the friendship between his wife and Valentino. Uh, He used his connections after the trial was over to have Rudy arrested and sent to jail over stupid and flimsy vice charges. Oh, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. He like took him down. And this other woman, I forget her name, but she was like a madam at the time, a well-known madam at the time. So I think he tried to like lump him in with her and just took him down. But the police were like, these charges don't, there's nothing actually here. Okay, yeah. So he was only, I think he was in jail for like a few days, but he got out and it was fine. Well, it's not fine, but. <laughs> and everything. And he was cool with and it. And he was great. He got out and had an even harder time finding work again. Well, now because his because name's Because his name's tarnished, yeah. Especially like in those circles yeah. where he was making money. So I want to go to the DeSalle's case. Interestingly, just to round out the DeSalle's case, John refused to acknowledge that the court had granted him and his now ex-wife shared custody of their son. Mm. She got super pissed, drove over to his house. He was sitting on the porch when she ran up, pulled a gun on him. That escalated. Yeah, no. And demanded her son. If you're going to go get your child, maybe don't bring the firearm. Like, leave the firearm at home. (laughs) He got up, like, immediately got up to, like, disarm her. And she shot him five (gasps) times and killed him. Oh, shit. Yeah. In front of her, was the kid I don't think the kid was out there. I think it was just him sitting on the porch. And she's like, give me my kid. And he got up and she just bang, 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 bang. Oh, my God. So, okay, so now you've taken your child's father out. Mm -hmm. She was charged with first degree murder and the case was immediately sensationalized. This was a huge thing. But because of that, she ended up being unanimously acquitted of the murder. Because it was such a media sensation that they were just like... It it went so far, you know, like if we think back to when I did the the Twilight Zone case, like Uh that jury was so tantalized by having to like you know, work with these famous people at right. a high level. Like, it was just... It's so like a mistrial. Um, kind, kind of, of, yeah. And so they were just like, yeah, she's innocent. It was all over everywhere. Oh, wow. She, yeah, she got acquitted. Insane. Oh, for my just goodness. For shooting her husband, ex-husband. So back to Rudy. Okay. After all the mess and hollabaloo, Valentino needed to get the fuck out of town. Mm-hmm. Things in New York just didn't work out well for him. Doesn't sound like it. No. Don't want to be involved in all I know. that. <laughs> he joined a traveling operetta company that traveled to Utah. <laughs> where pretty quickly it just disbanded. Really? Like, <laughs> that didn't work out? No. I couldn't even find the name of the company. It was just like, yeah, he joined this weird little operetta company that was like traveling around. They got to Utah and everybody just was like, see ya. They were just like, we're going to sing arias. I like to think they were all like singing as they like backed away from each other. (laughs) And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, why can't I keep a job? What is happening? So, but that, the, the good thing about that was it got him out to the West Coast. Yeah. Like toward the West Coast. He then ended up joining a production of Robinson Crusoe Jr. 
that traveled to Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So by the fall of 1917, Valentino had landed in San Francisco with a small part in a production of Nobody's Home, which is a play. Mm -hmm. So through this, so through his theater work, Valentino met Norman Carey while he was in San Francisco. And Carey was an actor whose film career peaked at the height of the silent film era in Hollywood. Okay. Carey told Valentino to move to Los Angeles and shoot his shot at the silent film industry. He's like, I think he'd be great for this. You should totally go and try it because it's like, I'm in it. It's cool it's awesome it's you're amazing. hot i'm hot. You're hot i'm hot let's kiss um <laughs> they be- sorry but that's where you went. and i don't well mind we'll it. talk about it later oh they became fast friends and both moved back to la they were like let's go back oh let's do the film thing yeah um, they were actually roommates at the alexandria hotel okay uh, Valentino kept up with his dancing as well. So he was still dancing in places. He was teaching dance as well. Um, and he gained a bit of a following from the dancing. Nice. Um, and that clientele consisted of older, wealthy females who would let him borrow their fancy smancy cars. Oh. Fancy schmancy. I was with you. I got Thank it. Thank you. Schmancy schmancy. So with his success of dancing, Valentino started seeking out screen roles. He got his first film, Alimony, in 1917. Very small, like, background roles, mm-hmm. like extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, he went on to do several small roles, very small. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1919, Valentino's small role, <laughs> I keep saying small role, <laughs> uh, in the drama Eyes of Youth, starring Clara Kimball Young, uh, he caught the eye of screenwriter June Mathis. Mm. This is who I was telling you about earlier. Oh, okay. She was like, damn, I need this guy for my next movie. He's amazing. She didn't say it like that, but I imagine that's like akin to what she would have been thinking. Sure. So I, I actually want to stop right here and talk about June. Because I'm kind of obsessed with her. All right, let's hear it. She seems like a fucking badass. And she, so she was the first female executive for Metro slash MGM. Great. So Metro was one of the companies that got absorbed to become MGM, Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she was working for Metro and she was an executive. Uh, and she was the highest paid executive in Hollywood at only 35 years old. Get it. Yeah. She moved to Hollywood with her mother in 1919. And her credit list is fucking extensive. Nice. Screenwriter, adaptations, all kinds of stuff. She was just making movies. Popping She knew off. what was going to be popular. And her movies did well. And she, it, I can't, I love her. And she discovered Rudolph. Like Awesome. I'm so interested in learning more about her. She passed away. So this is the crazy thing. She also passed away at the age of 40 (gasps) um, from a heart attack she suffered when she was at a Broadway play with her grandmother, I think. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's really tragic. (sighs) We should do a biopic about her. Let's but I, the, all the information I found, it didn't seem like there was a ton out there. It seems like not a ton was known about her. Here's a wild thought, probably because... she was a woman. Yeah. But she was also, like, at the top of the film industry. Wow. Like, in the, you know, early 1920s. Yeah, they didn't care. Yeah. Probably men, I'm I, sure, were I taking... know, they were probably, like, I'm sure she had it tough in a oh, male-dominated... Yeah. Blue. I mean, boo. So Valentino was hot as fuck. Um, Sounds like, like it. People swooned over this guy. Swooned. Mm-hmm. You know what? Kate. I have to. I wrote swooned Kate in big letters. <laughs> that was one of my jokes. I have to look him up <laughs> real quick. I mean, he's he's very attractive. Not my type, but very attractive. Okay, I guess I could see it. 
Yeah. For that time. I wonder wonder if there's something as well with him being like that whole sexualization of like a darker skinned. Right. Like the Italian. Italian. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's some of that. That's probably. He had it going on. He did. I'd look at naked pictures of him. Well, there you have it, folks. The verdict is in. Just like Zach Baggins. Hot. Not Zach. I don't find him hot, but. I mean, he's not bad looking. So people called him catnip to women. Oh. I want to pause here and give a little more background on his personal life. Okay. So Valentino married actress Jean Acker in 1919, just before he was going to like hit it big time. Mm-hmm. Acker was reportedly involved in a lesbian relationship with actresses Grace Darmond and Ala uh, Nazimova. Okay. Nazimova. I think that's how you say it. She got involved with Valentino allegedly to remove herself from that triangle. So she was like allegedly a lesbian uh-huh. and needed to like. I mean, that actually happened quite a, a lot bit back, back then. then. Lav- I think they called them lavender yeah. marriages. Yeah. I don't know how. I just wrote in my notes. I don't know how real the allegations were about that. Um, Ac- Acker said that her marriage to Valentino was never consummated. Okay. Uh, They remained married until 1921 when she sued Rudy for a divorce, citing desertion. Oh. He then married Winifred Shaughnessy, who was known by her stage name as Natasha. It's N-A-T-A-C-H-A, but I want to say that's probably Natasha. Sure. Rambova in 1922. Okay. Well, he moved on quickly. Well, and also he wasn't like technically divorced from Acker yet. So there was like a big thing around that. some overlap. Overlap, yeah. They met on the set of Uncharted Seas in 1921. She was a silent film costume designer and art director. However, none of Valentino's friends ever liked her that much. They thought she was too controlling. Um, It's also reported that I think she thought Rudy was too controlling. Um, It seemed their relationship was pretty tumultuous, and they actually ended up divorcing in 1925. Okay. It's reported that Valentino was gay, um, and these were like lavender marriages Uh to, you know, cover that up. I don't want to say this is true because everything I found was speculation and not concrete concrete sure. evidence. Sure. So despite claims and rumors and all that speculation, who knows? It's not our, it's not our business. There's nothing concrete to prove that. So yeah. And even whatever. if he was, like, it's like who cares? Who, yeah, exactly. I think there's a, a couple books out there that of people who were like you know, really thought he was. The, the sad thing about all of that is that that did happen so much then did, that yeah. and people could not be who they truly they, were. Right. And so they did have to like put on this facade. I mean, people still do, but like, Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it, it was not uncommon. Right. Terrible. So Valentino, okay. I, you're going to love this. <laughs> all right. Um, Valentino noticed he was being cast as heavies and didn't like it. We've been talking We've about been the talking heavies. We've been talking about heavies. <laughs> Um, heavies again is what I wrote. Um, these heavy men don't stand a chance. Oh. Valentino wasn't loving Hollywood. <laughs> so he briefly went back to New York where he met Paul Ivano, a famous Serbian French American cinematographer who would later help him in the film industry. I was going to say, cause that's interesting. It seems like Hollywood was where he was finally finding success. He was finding success, but he wasn't enjoying it because of what he had to do. Like the, pe- the, the, 
I the, see. the roles he was getting and playing. Yeah. Um, he eventually ended up connecting back with June Mathis, who was like, you know, you're amazing. We uh-huh. should like make you a big deal. He connected with June and then ended up with a deal with Metro. Oh, okay. Which would then go on to become Metro Goldwyn Meyer. So this let him led him to playing lead roles. Great. Um, with his first being the second lead in The Delicious Little Devil. I like the name of that. The delicious little with May devil. Murray. You say that, that as is. though I should no, know. No, I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I was like, oh. I just, you know, wow. Ooh. Listeners. Ah. Ooh. So he went on to land a role in The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse by Vicente Blasco Ibanez. However, Rudy did not get along with the director, Rex Ingram. Oh. The movie was a huge hit and success, though, but Metro didn't acknowledge that it had a star in their hands. They were like, you got to watch him. Hmm. This was due to the fact that Ingram, the mean director, was bad-mouthing him around town. Well, that sucks. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, why would well, you want to bad-mouth your lead guy? Either. Well, and June Mathis, who basically, like, wrote this and worked on this movie and yeah. cast Rudy, had to, like, mediate between them. Oh, jeez. Um, See? Once again... A woman. She was doing all the work. A woman getting it done. Yep. This, he wasn't having a great experience and missed New York. He missed Europe. Uh, so he decided to quit. Oh. <laughs> like quit the film business altogether? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, no, 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 no. I shouldn't say that. He decided to quit MGM. Oh, Or okay. Metro at the time. Yeah. Um, Rudy decided to go over to Famous Players Lasky, which is what, uh, Paramount Pictures is today. Okay. Yeah. June Mathis was like, these men are toxic. Rudy has the right idea. I'm out. And she also went to wow. Famous Players Lasky. This studio was known for like more commercial pictures at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Lasky of Players Lasky uh, <laughs> saw Valentino as a star. And this is where he gets cast in the role he's most known for, The Sheik. Okay. It's where he became the Latin lover. Even though he was not Latino. Right. That's the thing, right? Like, that's what we're talking about. it's America, right. it's Hollywood. So In he the was early pl- 1900s. <laughs> I love going. it. Sorry. He was playing the role of Sheikh Ahmed Ben Hassan. Uh, Valentino actively tried to not portray the role in a stereotypical way. Mm-hmm. Asked if Lady Diana, his love interest in the movie, would have fallen for a savage, in quotation marks, in real life, Valentino replied, quote, People are not savages because they have dark skins. The the Arabian civilization is one of the oldest in the world. The Arabs are dignified and keen-brained. Good for Rudy. And also, why did the sheikh give him the nickname the Latin lover? Because they're too Because different. he was just dark-skinned. And people in the industry- They just industry lumped everyone into lumped everyone one together. category. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. So because he was dark-skinned, like they were like, ooh, Latin lover. Like, it's stereotyping. Hollywood? But he was aware Stereotyping? <laughs> I mean, what is that? What? Like, and he's playing an Arab guy, but is also very cognizant of the fact that he's playing, you know, a different- Right. Uh, race. So- and he was like, no, these people are great. Don't call yeah. them savages. Yeah. Valentina went on to produce several pictures with pre-Paramount. <laughs> That's what I called it. Famous Players Lasky. He made a couple more pictures, but ran into an issue with the studio regarding pay. Ooh. Excuse me. He just burped. I burped. So his original contract had him paid at 
$1,250 a week. Wow. Back then, that was... That's a ton. Big money. Uh, with an increase to 3000 after three years. Okay. Other famous people were making like double or triple this amount at mm. the time. Uh, and he didn't think it was fair. So he ended up filing suit against famous players. And they, in turn, sued him for money he had to spend on that divorce from Acker. Because he was... She was suing him for a divorce. I'm sorry. Say that again. He filed a suit against pre-Paramount. Right. The company because, you know, of the pay problem. Right. But they, he actually even owed them some money because he was taking like, I think he was taking like the extra paychecks from them and paying for his divorce, which put him in debt. So he like was asking for more money, but also owed the studio money because I think he had borrowed some money from. Huh. Okay. It's wishy-washy. Sure. Famous players, Lasky, realized that they had a lot to lose regarding Rudy. Mm-hmm. So they backed down. They were like, never mind. Suits dropped. Oh. Um, and his salary was put up to 7000 a week. Oh, wow. Salary was one of the things he was complaining about, but he was also complaining about like creative control on sets. Hmm. Which I don't... Mm, I mean, uh, if he wasn't part of the production crew... Then why would he need to have creative control? Right. Interesting. Sounds... Okay. I, I mean, if that tells you something, yeah. you know. This caused other studios to, like, vulture around him because he was so hot and popular. Yeah. They were like, we want him. But um, I would also think that people would be kind of scared of him because it sounds like he maybe is causing some trouble on set. I don't think they cared at the time. Hmm. I don't think it was a huge... I don't know, though. Sure. I, you know, I don't know for sure. It just seemed like people saw his movies, thought he was hot, and they were like, yeah. All right. Da-da. June Mathis had actually moved on to Goldwyn Pictures, okay. which eventually you know, merged with mm-hmm. Metro Goldwyn, where she was in charge of Ben-Hur. Oh, okay. Of course, she was interested in casting Valentino, but Famous Players was like, no, bitch, you are not going anywhere because he was bound by contract. Right. So he couldn't go over to Goldwyn. Nope. So he wanted to do it, but his contract prevented him from doing anything else Mm. outside of pre-Paramount. I like calling it that. After all the movie business mess, he got a new manager, George Ullman, uh, who used to work with the Mineral Lava Beauty Clay Company. That feels like a stark change in career. And convinced Rudy to be their spokesperson because women loved him. Of course. Right. So he went on the Mineralava dance tour to promote their products. How fun. I love it. (laughs) I love that he's still dancing. Still dancing. Mineralava. So after that dance thing, Rudy eventually did go back to the movies because he had an offer from Ritz Carlton Movies. Pictures. Mm. Ritz Carlton was a, a picture company. Interesting. At one point, um, who were working through famous players at the time. Okay. So that's why they could yeah. cast him. He jumped back into the movies and finished out his contract with the company with pre Paramount, but still had to do four more movies with Ritz Carlton. Mm. Uh, they were willing to give him a little more money and creative control. Wow. Uh, the next project he wanted to do was called The Hooded Falcon. And Valentino asked Mathis, June Mathis, to write it. Um, and she did, but he didn't like it and asked her to rewrite it. And she got pissed. Yeah, it pissed. sounds like he's starting to he's really starting feel to, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole project was a hot mess. Things were way too expensive. It was all going downhill. Ritz-Carlton was really upset about this. So they X'd his contract. They said, bye. They were like, bye, get out. You're causing too much trouble. Yeah. 
Charlie Chaplin eventually approached Rudy about joining United Artists, mm. which paid $10,000 a week well, for shit. only three pictures a year. It seemed like this was a pretty good deal, so he took it. Yeah. And he was back on the up and up in right. his career. But now we get to the sad part. Oh. On August 15th, 1926, Valentino died suddenly at the young age of 31. 31? Yep. I did not realize that. He collapsed at the <gasps> Hotel Ambassador on Park Avenue in Manhattan. Oh, shit. He was taken to the hospital and diagnosed with gastric ulcers and appendicitis. Oh. The pain and symptoms that he was experiencing ac- were actually named Valentino's Syndrome, which is like a real thing today. And it's the pain that presented in the lower right quadrant of the abdomen due to a perforated ulcer. <gasps> oh, I wonder how long he felt he felt that. He, I mean, you. I feel like I would you think... had to. I've I had an uh oh I had a hernia. Oh, I feel like with an ulcer, like doesn't that kind of flare? I don't know, but doesn't it flare up? It, yeah, it hurts. But it hurts. It yeah. seems odd that it would just like come out of nowhere and take him down right then. I right. feel like it was probably building it was probably and he building, ignored it. Probably, but um, I don't know. Sure, I'm I'm sure I'm think he did because like for it to get that bad, or maybe it was there. He didn't feel it yet, and maybe it just perforated in the pain that he felt. Oh, Oh, awful. Surgery was performed, but he developed peritonitis, which is essentially inflammation of the lining of the abdomen and those organs Mm. in there. He lapsed into a coma and passed away. Oh, my goodness. An estimated 100,000 people came out in the streets of Manhattan to pay their respects. Whoa. Yeah. That's a shit ton also, of people. Kate, suicides of grief-stricken fans were reported. Oh, my God. They loved him so much like, and were obsessed with him that they killed themselves. What? Windows of the funeral home uh, he was at were smashed of people trying to get in. Like fans trying to get in. Oh my goodness. Um, It was complete chaos, but he was certainly missed. And uh, his legacy would live on as part of film cinema history. He must have been really hot for people. I think to to people back then, they were just like, you know, all about him. Sounds like it. Yikes. So it was reported that a woman in black carrying a red rose would visit Valentino's crypt on the anniversary of his death. Turns out it was a publicity stunt what? cooked up by press agent Russell Birdwell. However, there was a woman named Dietra who said that she was the original woman. Several copycats have followed over the years and it became like a tradition. What a Isn't weird, weird tradition. So the current there's actually a current woman in black Whoa. Um, who visits this, the site and her name is uh, Carrie Bible. Carrie Bible if you're listening, which I hope you are, shoot us an email because we'd like I mean, to talk her, to you. So her Instagram is at Cemetery Tour Guide. She has an Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitch. You have to follow her. I looked it up. So this is a this is a, a cemetery in New York City. Sure. That's I I have the name of it in here somewhere. We'll we'll get back to it because mm. it's a thing. But she also gives tours of that cemetery. She's like a ghost tour guide. She's a tour guide, and she's the one in black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's doing it all. Right. So now, Kate, we're going to get into some haunted stuff. There was an old, or there was a young hot guy, all skin and bones. That was pitchy. That was beautiful. Rudolph Valentino lives on in cinema history. 
but also maybe as a sex ghost. A sex ghost. Uh, sorry, sexy ghost. <laughs> sexy ghost. A sex ghost. No, I think we're calling him a sex ghost I from like, now on. I'm a sex ghost. That sounds like the name of like a bad eighties horror movie. It sounds like the name of like a slasher metal band the song. Sex ghost. Sex ghost. Whoa. Is that the name that sex ghost? No. The sound that sex ghosts make? I hope not, because I did not Ooh. like it. <laughs> Ooh. Kevin is really feeling I'm trying, himself over No, I'm there. trying to get the sex ghost voice down. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I need to practice. Anyone out there, call me at seven. No, I'm kidding. Whoa. <laughs> I'm joking. It was about to get real kind of not, personal. The famous Players Lasky Studio Commissary in New York City from the 1920s is a restaurant called George's. Oh, okay. I feel uh, like I've heard of that. Restaurant goers have reportedly seen Valentino mm. sitting at the bar, sipping on some martinis. All right. The location is still a film studio now called Kaufman Astoria Studios. I think it's a restaurant in the studio Got or it. like next to it or near it. It's actually the longtime home of Sesame Street. Oh. Along with famous pictures like Birdman and popular TV show Orange is the New Black. Okay. Yeah, it's a poppin' studio. Yeah. It's an independent studio too. Cool. Um Valentino is said to also haunt his L.A. property, known as Falcon's Lair, which was on a ridge along Benedict Canyon overlooking Beverly Hills. Okay. The address is formerly 1436 Bella Drive, Beverly Hills, 90210. Oh. I never watched that show. I don't really care. I did. Multiple. (laughs) Was it good? I mean, it was 90210. Peach Pit? Peach Pit. That means nothing to you. No, there's a an EDM band called Peach. Oh no, it's Passion Pit. Sorry, never That's mind. That's different. Just kidding. Caretakers at the house um, <laughs> say <is> that. that? <laughs> I don't know. That just like came out of you. It's very possessed. Caretakers at the house. <laughs> I'm trying to channel. Multiple owners have seen Valentino's ghost, mm. uh, starting right after his death. His sex ghost. His sex ghost, which died in New York. Isn't that weird how they just like be haunting all over the place? Ooh, all over the world. Spirits are flying. The world's a turning. Caretakers at the house say they have heard footsteps and seen doorknobs turn and doors open and close by themselves. Hmm. It's said that dogs that are normally up and about would react and would react to this kind of like stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Totally calm. Don't notice a thing. Maybe they're just tired. Maybe. Or maybe they don't have as good hearing as people thought they did. But they dogs have really good hearing. Yeah, it's like crazy. Actor Harry Carey encountered a ghost when he owned that house. Harry Carey? Yeah. Owned that house? Yeah. Okay. Apparently. Uh, he apparently had a hard time keeping staff because they kept getting spooked. Wow. Actress Millicent Rogers spent a night here. And allegedly fled from Valentino's spirit. <laughs> she just up and left because she's like, nah, get out. I don't need the sex ghost. Get that sex ghost out of my face. <laughs> out of my face. Out of my, uh, scary movie. Um, I watched one of the scary movies the other night. Did you? I did. I love this. I just had it like so, on. It's so funny. Tis the season. Uh, the ghost was seen in various locations on the property. And they even saw like his image like on the second floor window just like staring out over L.A. Oh. The last person that lived in that house was tobacco heiress Doris Duke and her butler. Oh. 
Uh, they reported seeing Valentino consistently from the 1950s through the 80s. Wow, that's a long time. Duke mentioned that when he was seen, he was wearing like horse riding clothes. Hmm. She said sightings became less frequent. I'll go on to say this, but he was a big horse person. He loved horses. Oh, okay. So there were like stables nearby his Got house. It. She said that the sightings became less frequent as time went on and she lived there. Um, the house is unfortunately leveled and doesn't stand any longer. Oh, bummer. Um, I'm sure there's another property on top of it now, but, yeah. you know. We don't know if it's haunted. My guess is no. I read this great article, which I got a lot of this info from, by Scott Marcus of AmericanGhostWalks.com. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a great article about the hauntings of Rudy Valentino. And it's a fascinating read, and we'll link it in the show notes. Okay, great. But he said of Valentino's house and that area, quote, The house looks over Beverly Hills, but the view immediately west would have looked considerably different on one summer night in 1969. As the vantage point looks across Silo Drive and into oh. the Pala- Polanski Tate estate, where the Manson family committed one of the most famous mass murders in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. This is irrelevant to Valentino, but fascinating to point out nonetheless. This area is also considered a geomagnetic anomaly zone, as there is unusually high amounts of electromagnetic energy emanating from the Earth at this site. Oh, that's interesting. Those with an interest in the paranormal speculate that it's due to all of this energy that allows for spirits to visit more easily from the other side. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. I didn't know that. So Valentino would frequent the horse stables that were just down the hill from his house. And his ghost also has been seen down at the stables petting the living horses. Uh, the stables are gone, but ghost sightings of Valentino and a phantom horse have also been reported. A phantom, phantom horse? horse. Oh, that gave me chills. Ooh. Sometimes it's only the sound of a horse that is heard, but no other horses are around. Hmm. I imagine that's what a ghost horse sounds like. A ghost horse I wrote and his to do sex that in my ghost notes. owner. Notes. To do a, a neigh. I wrote spooky neigh. <laughs> That was a weird noise, Kate. I'm sorry. Loved it. Keeping it in. Um, Apparently, there are some stories out there that Valentino would ride a white horse into downtown Hollywood. Kate, I am so... I don't know what's happening. I think you're melting down I'm a melting. Bit. And it's not even been that long. What people don't know, because I probably cut it out, is that he just had like... he Mid-sentence turned into a coughing fit. <laughs> And he's really, he's and really now struggling. I can't speak. It's the ghosts, Kate. <laughs> it's the it's sex, sex ghosts. ghosts. They're taking all my energy, man. <laughs> they I'm do down that. For it. Some people say that he would ride a white horse into downtown Hollywood where he would party it up, drinking and dancing. Yes, it's what he loved to do. And where did he like to party, Kate? On top of the taxis. The Knickerbocker Hotel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On Ivar. On <laughs> like Ivar. I- <laughs> Like the old Knickerbocker. The old Knickerbocker on oh, Ivar. Dancing and drinking. Drinking. You did the story, right? Kaylee did. You, did Kaylee yeah. did that story. Okay. So it's reported that Valentino would drink a shit ton of booze. <laughs> um, and then he'd just like blacked out, get on his horse, pass out. And the horse knew enough to just like. To get him take home. Take him home. <laughs> like in in life that happened? Yes. Apparent, allegedly, you know. See, animals, they're, they know where it's they at. They know. I mean, he was also, like, really close with the horsies, so I'm sure he, you know, they wanted to take care of him. Sure. They were like, our owner's super hot. Oh, shit. We got to get him home. (laughs) I wish I had a white horse. 
Crying emoji. Crying emoji. It's also said that Valentino's ghost could be seen at the hotel dancing the night away and frequenting the bar. I hope so. I hope he's just partying it up. Afterlife parties. Valentino also haunted the Hollywood Hotel, which was at the corner of Hollywood and Highland. Mm. I think where the Dolby Theater is now. Okay. Uh, I don't know LA, so I'm relying on Kate to to tell me. Sounds good. Um, After Rudy's death, women in room 264 of that hotel reported getting a phantom kiss from Valentino. I don't know if I would enjoy that. Ghost smooches. A ghost kiss from a sex ghost. I'm into it. I mean... Maybe. So I also saw other reports of this at hotels that Valentino had visited when he was alive. But uh, <laughs> sorry, it sounds more like some people read some like sexy ghost books, maybe drank some wine, turned on a silent movie and couldn't discern fantasy from reality. Who's writing sexy ghost books? Everyone. Have you ever read a sexy ghost book? <laughs> Does my face look I like have. I have? My mom and I used to read them when I was in high school. I thought it, I like, thought it was like my mom used to read them to me as the baby stories. <laughs> she was getting railed by something she couldn't see. <laughs> Sorry, that was gross. That I was gross. That. <laughs> I just see like little four-year-old Kevin, like, "Mommy, my, what's railed?" <laughs> with my blanket up, my eyes <laughs> terrified. Like, what's that? <laughs> Valentino has also been seen walking from the Hollywood Forever Cemetery oh. in, in New York City. There's one in New York City. I think so. Hang on. Because there's a Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Hollywood. You're right. I wrote the wrong location down. Okay. That's okay. The cemetery that he's in is next to a movie studio. I see. And he would like, it, he's been seen like walking from the cemetery to the studio. Oh. Isn't that weird? But apparently like there's a bunch of actors who are buried there and he's not the only one that it gets seen walking into the studio. They just want to keep on working. Keep on working. Keep on making movies. I put I put making their ghost movies in my notes. <laughs> Starring sex ghost. Sex ghost number one. Sex ghost number two. Now there was multiple. And the ghost horse. Ghost horse. Thank you. Valentino was a big animal person. Sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. And as we've seen with the horse ghosts, um, he also loved dogs. Aww. Loved dogs. And he had a Doberman pincher named Cabal. Kabar. Kabar. Kabar was born in France mm. and given to Valentino by a Belgian diplomat as a puppy. Oh. Uh, they were immediately inseparable. He loved this dog. Kabar went everywhere with Valentino. And World even, traveler. Yeah, he traveled first class. Oh. With him. At the time of Rudy's death, he hadn't taken Kabar with him on that trip to New York City. Ah. Uh. Uh, in 1926. So they weren't together when Valentino Aww. passed. And it's reported that Kabar started howling at the time of Valentino's death and was just inconsolable. Because dogs know. Yeah, he knew. After this, Kabar was consistently sick. And he ran away and Kabar. returned months later at Valentino's Hollywood house, not in good shape. Oh, no. Kabar refused to eat. And ended up passing away on January 17th, 1929. How old was Kabar at the time? Ooh, I don't know. Okay, because it sounds like if he, it sounds like he had him for a while. He did have him for a while, yeah. I'm not sure the year he got him, though. Okay. His death was reported in the newspapers. Kabar's death? Kabar's death, yeah. Oh. 
including the Chicago Chicago Daily Tribune. Wow. Valentino's brother Alberto wanted to bury Cabar at Valentino's home, but LA city regulations had him buried at a pet cemetery instead. Pet cemetery. The nearest one was 22 miles from Hollywood. Well shit. The Lost the Los Angeles Pet Park. Oh, okay. Kabar was buried alongside. Okay, Kabar was buried alongside MGM's lion Tawny, and oh, uh, the wow. pit bull from The Little Rascals. Petey. Yeah. Interesting. Some say that Kabar is still around uh-huh. because he was never able to reunite with his owner. The ghost of Kabar has been seen at Falcon's Lair, Valentino's mm-hmm. mansion, which no longer exists, especially around the actor's birthday. Interesting. Mediums reportedly saw the dog while celebrating Valentino's life in 1948. Kabar haunts the grounds of his cemetery, where people have heard him barking and panting uh, next to his gravesite, with reports that their hands were licked while they were visiting his grave. Oh, a little ghost lick. Mm-hmm. See, that doesn't bother me. A ghost kiss? Not into it. Mm. Ghost lick from a little dog? That's nice. I like it. Valentino also owned a villa at 6776... Wedgwood Place in Los Angeles. Okay. It basically sat completely empty after his death, slowly falling into disrepair. So people broke into the house and well, would like sucks. hold seances and steal all the shit in there. Ugh, people suck. I know. Another Valentino property was a his beach. There was a beach house at 224 Coenga Street in Oxnard. Okay. California. He lived here for a short time while he was filming The Sheik. Um, and it's said that a dark phantom wanders the veranda, and that's believed to be. He owned a lot of property. He did have, he was at a lot of properties. I didn't include some of them because there was this website that had like a bunch. I mean, I'll link it, it's linked in the show notes, but I was like, this is a lot. Wow. It just sounds crazy. He was haunting, excuse me, everywhere. <laughs> And so, Kate, um, that is the story of Hollywood's first sex symbol and his busy ghost and the ghost of his doggy. Oh, Kabar. Rudy Valentino. Good job. Thank you. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that all of those animals were buried in that same cemetery. Yeah. I didn't either. So the lion's name was Tawny? Tawny. I don't, I don't yeah. think I knew that. T-A-W-N-Y. Where do we go from here? So if people want to follow us on social media. Sounds great. They can go to at Horrorwood Podcast. Sure can. They could also email us at. Horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Or if they're like feeling so inclined and have a little extra pocket change lying around. Join the Patreon, y'all. Yeah. We do some good shit over there. It's fun over there. It's nice. It's a good time. We're partying. We're like talking a lot. We're, <laughs> you know, we're gabbing. And it's essentially gr- more of the same. Gabbing and grinding. <laughs> <laughs> grinding with the oh, 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 sex grinding ghosts. with the sex ghosts on tv um patreon join the patreon <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> patreon.com slash horrorwood podcast yeah and uh whatever you're doing to kick off your october oh my god happy spooky season happy everyone. spooky season happy october don't do murder but do whatever else that makes you feel fallish and fun buy some pumpkin creamer for your coffee if you are into that or just to have for guests. That is I'm nice. just kidding, Kate. I looked at you. <laughs> you did. That was like I so. I did not mean that to be pointed. I was, was just like, like, for guests. Wouldn't it be nice, Kate, if you just had some I'm not even around. drinking coffee. I'm like, can you just give me like a little shot of pumpkin creamer? <laughs> Gross. I actually like added. A, so I have powdered peanut butter. There's such a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
pick powdered peanut butter, and it's way healthier than buying like Do you, regular peanut. Butter. You add either water to it. You just add water, or you can add like almond milk or okay. something. I added a little bit of pumpkin creamer. Oh, oh, delicious! <laughs> delicious. Me and my sex ghost are gonna go get some pumpkin coffees. Have fun. <laughs>